what is what is oh, happening here? Goodness, Stephen Wilson is leading the race. <laughs> you are not seeing things. Stephen Wilson is leading the Indy 500 with six and a half to go. Oh, I don't know if he's got the fuel. I don't know. If he does, it's a miracle. Yeah, William yeah. Stephen Power, come on! Wilson's coming in and holding. It's Will Power in the front! Nobody's gonna win it now! We have four to go and the heavens vote for He was second in 2015! One of Zoe's favorite drivers is Will Power, and she like. I almost like a bad Daniels! Zoe's gonna die! We have two laps to go! Zoe, should I pick you up all of the Will Power Indy 500 winner stuff at Pocono? Yes, please! I got you. This is it! Two and a half miles to go for Will Power and Return of Glory! Take it easy. Zoe, are you okay? Oh, oh, oh my god. This, this is happening. This is gonna happen. Will the power. Will power. See us. See the Natalie Boy. Finally. And the Monaco Grand Prix happened too. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you finished chewing your bottles. Welcome to episode 141 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. I am your host, Andre Harrison, and uh, whew, oh boy, that was, uh, shall we say, an entertaining day of classics free. Well, certainly the second half, anyway. Um, just, just a quick note as well to say massive thanks to everybody who did tune in during Day of Classics 3 this past Sunday on the Motorsport 101 YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We actually shattered our appearance record for the second half of that show. Right right at the end, I believe it was just after Willpower across the line, we had 85 people watching at once, which I think the previous record we had, I think, was 42 during one of our hangouts in the past, um, which is insane. So thank you all so much for that. We, we shattered that record. That's an that's an unbelievable count. Massive thanks to all the guests that are involved and everyone who watched, um, including guys that are on this show right now. The guy that had to try and somehow find a way to make Monaco more entertaining, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Hi. Despite multiple um, fumblings with the uh, with the YouTube Creator Studio and Google Hangouts, <laughs> somehow we made it. We made it. Thank you so much for showing up. I've just chewed through this entire bottle. I can't feel my tongue and my mouth hasn't stopped bleeding for five hours. <laughs> what do and you mean bleeding... you weren't supposed to chew the milk bottle? <laughs> and if your bleeding lasts for more than four hours, please consult your doctor. Um, 
also um, on this show, and somehow, I don't think her lungs have actually recovered from this yet. Um, normally due to, like, vague Glaswegian screaming, but uh, our friend and yours, we Zoe, Miss Hamilton, is back. Hello, darling. <laughs> I, I must say, my, my voice is coping up markedly a lot better than Will's after now. <laughs> Because remember, kids, if you win the Indy 500, you have full permission to act like a psychopath. It's 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 fun. It's, it's great TV for everybody involved, quite frankly. And I have to say a special, special thanks, because this guy had no obligation to be on here when he did whatsoever. And he was in the Indianapolis Media Center itself as it was happening. The guy did the Lord's work. Basically, is an almost like roaming reporter for us in the media center. That, that is... Such a cool thing that we'll probably never be able to top in a hangout. Uh, welcome back, Krista Harday. Good to see you, sir. Uh, good to see you as well. It was a pretty crazy day. Um, fortunately, Monica wasn't uh, that interesting, but I was able to make it interesting with RJ, uh, thanks to social media. Uh, the 500 for me was full of unpredictability in the last half, and man, there were a lot of people uh, hoping for stuff in there, but it was overall a great day. And I can tell you this much, the next day was definitely a... A sober hangover day, because I actually ended up sleeping through most of the day. <laughs> to be fair, you kind of earned that right after such an intense afternoon the night before. Um, uh, Absolutely. Just like Zoe, who yeah, just like Zoe, who stayed up till four in the morning to watch the banquet last night. You well, masochist. Do you mind if I give <laughs> I you a timeline? Every year. <laughs> do you mind if I give you all a timeline of my race day? Go for it. So uh, I had to be over at a friend's house to pick him up at 4 o'clock in the morning. So I woke up at 2.45, uh, showered, dressed, you know, left the, you know, the house I'm staying in at 3.40, got to his place just before 4 o'clock, and we ended up getting out of the car at the media center parking lot at 4.35, 4.40 in the morning. Yikes. Yeah, then the cannon blast went off at 6 o'clock, and then Monaco started, I think, an hour after that. The 500 started like like 12.30 uh, in the afternoon, Eastern Time. Besides that, a pretty quiet day. Um, <laughs> Other than that, Mrs. Um, Lincoln, how was the rest of the play? <laughs> More on that later. But, um, yeah, in the meantime, just get the general housekeeping out of the way. But with one very interesting twist, we did mention this in the second half of Day of Classics 3, but our website is no longer motorsport101.net. We have What? We have changed. We have a new home. It's at motorsport101.com. Um, it's .com, motherfuckers! Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Yes, we snagged the big one. Um, like, literally, I mean, we just went to the toilet before we went on the air, but I'm just saying it again here as well. Um, and I, I want to say a f massive, massive shout-out to Steph Hunter, who runs Silver Code, who's managed our website. Went back in the when it was Harrison101.com, back in, like, 2012. Um, she's been the site's guardian angel since then, and she's done an unfathomable amount of work on the site from its inception to what it is today and she was just able to spot it in the background and was just you know able to snag it this was literally two minutes after i just pressed 
start recording on Data Classics 3 for the Indy 500, bitch. It was like, Dre, Dre, motorsport101.com is available. It's going to cost you $2 more a month. Do you want to snag it? I was like, snag it, snag it, snag it. <laughs> and we did. Um, so, like, again, I mentioned Steph does the Lord's work. She does an unbelievable amount for the site. So, um, Steph, I owe you, like, 17 dinners next, when, when you're in London when I see you inevitably next month. If you haven't got a website that you have in mind to manage, go talk to Steph. Tell her I sent you. She might be able to hook you something up pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, check her out at Silver Code if you haven't already. Just give that a quick Google search when you get a chance. So thanks, Steph. And thanks to everybody that's supported us to this point. I mean, to have motorsport101.com as an actual domain name is pretty cool. One other little thing as well to announce, we've got another writer joining the team as well. Patrick Hofstetter is joining us as well from the Who University DFS show, and he's been on both our shows in the past as well. He's now going to be hey. writing stuff for us too as well. So we've got more written contributors as well, which is fantastic. Um, so massive, massive thanks to Patrick as well for being so generous of his time to send stuff our way. Hi, Kendra. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I'm in the middle of a show. That's fun. Uh, but yeah, places you can find us again, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. You can find the on-demand uh, replay of everything from Day of Classics 3 from the Monaco Grand Prix and the three-hour, 45-minute show of the Indy 500 as well. That is all on our YouTube page. You can re-watch it in full with the live chat as it happens. So yeah, you, you can experience... Yeah. Be careful of wearing headphones in the final 20 minutes. Yeah, beware of screaming Glaswegians. Um, so if you want to check that out, you can. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at WeZoe, and at C the Harde. That's C-D-E-H-A-R-D-E. -E. I know it's difficult to make that out in an audio podcast. We need more video stuff, damn it. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, remember, you can find all of, that, all of those details on our website, motorsport101.com. That's still so cool to say. Um, and if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and our brother show bike live as well where episode 61 went live this past sunday it's called jump in the shark no coincidence it had jacob cornfile on the cover it is a review of all the moto gp action um in at le mans mark marquez winning his third race in a row the disappointment of a hundred thousand frenchmen getting their hearts ripped out as johan zarko hits the deck um and now looks like marquez has already got one hand on the championship sigh um all that all the story about Jakob Kornfile taking flight in Moto3, um, all the time penalties which caused a lot of controversy on social media, and a 40-minute sit-down interview with Greg Haynes of British Eurosport, the world feed commentator, the British Eurosport feed for World Superbikes as well, just to catch up on the series so far. We've not we've not chatted with to him since Thailand. The guy said, oh, don't worry, I'll only be 15, 20 minutes. He was 43. <laughs> Greg Haynes is basically my spirit animal at this point. So massive thanks to Greg for, for being so generous of his time on that one. Um, it, it, that, that was fantastic. It was a great interview. One of my favourites I've done since I've been on a part of Motorsport 101. It's a really, really good interview if you're into your World Superbike. So listen in if you haven't already to that. Episode 62 will be out later this week. I'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, let's, let's, with all that in mind, let's get into the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500.
uh, we were still kind of recovering from last week's ridiculous set of news. Um, and more news dropped in between the week of Bump Day and the week of the run-in itself. Um, well, we already had the hammer blow of James Hinchcliffe and Pippa Man being bumped from the race itself. We've, we've spoken before about, you know, the, the class, the classiness and just the professionalism of James and Pippa. Since then, um, shit hit the fan even further, though, at Schmidt-Peterson in between. Because in the middle of them trying to potentially find a way to buy James a car to get into the race again, which they unsuccessfully failed in, um, turns out James Hinchcliffe's race engineer, Lena Gade, was fired. Like, literally, I think, less, I think it was less than 48 hours after Hinch got bumped. It seemed like, uh, Chris, that it was the final straw I mean, what seemed to be a pretty, you know, hard relationship between Lena and the team. Yeah, what really was odd is that, you know, they fired Lena so soon after everything went down. Mm. Lena's a very talented engineer. She knows what she's doing for the most part, but I think the issue is that they didn't... I think they expected too much from her out of ovals. Ovals are a completely different animal than setting a car up for a road and street circuit, and I don't think she had enough... I guess backing from everybody else to help her get a grip on ovals. Uh, apparently, she wasn't very happy about Phoenix, but then again, Hinch has done a great job all year long. You know, being fifth in the championship before Indy, now he's only tenth in the points, 99 points out of first. Um, she's she knows what she's doing on Run Street Circuits. That much is very very clear. But I think that. Uh, she didn't have enough time to probably grasp what setting up a car for an oval is all about. I don't know if it was a case of she didn't look through uh, set-up notebooks from the past or what the situation was, but if she doesn't go back to IndyCar racing for another team, I would not be surprised to see her back in sports cars, but I will say this. Uh, if I'm Roger Penske, I'm going to make a bid to get her services because she, when she grasps what ovals are all about, I think she'll be very, very good. Yeah, yes. it, yeah, go on, RJ. Go, yeah, go on, RJ. Yeah, because, again, I want to remind everybody, this is Lena Gade, who won as race engineer for Audi Sport Team Yost, three 24 hours of Le a span of four years, and basically became the race engineer that everybody knows about, even if they've never heard of, like, a race engineer apart from, let's say, Pierre Bonington or Rob Smedley or what have you. They know who Lena Gade is. They probably know her more than any other IndyCar uh, engineer on the paddock. Unless you're, you know about Craig Hampson, thanks to another podcast yeah. that we won't talk about right now. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, that was it was a surprise. I know they did reasonably well at uh, Phoenix, but that was mostly because they had to straight up copy Robert Wickens' uh, setup for that race. Mm-hmm. Um, because Lena just couldn't come to grasp with ovals, and you know, with the uh, with them not making the 500, I think that unfortunately kind of forced their hand a little bit earlier than I think they may have planned on at first. Yeah, that, that's the impression that I got as well. I mean, um, there was a lot of speculation about this when it first happened. I mean, I know us on the Discord are all, you know, trying to piece it all together. Um, and to be fair, Marshall Pruitt wrote a really interesting piece about this for uh, RodenTrack.com, so full credit to him on this one he compared it to his own time when he was a race engineer back in back in the early 2000s but uh the general impression was that uh, as rj alluded to that like 
Hinch finished sixth in Phoenix in spite of Lena, not because of her. Um, and not to mention as well, like just just a lot of just visible and audible frustration about her not being able to crack it. Seems that in a sense, like they hired her kind of knowing that she was going to struggle with ovals at first, but obviously hoping that she'd learn on the job and just like show improvement as time went on. And by their reckoning, that didn't really happen. Um, so. Yeah, it's a shame, and it's a real shame because she's deleted her Twitter since then as well, and she's always been one of the more vocal people, especially when it comes to women in motorsports. So that's a real shame as well. Um, so I don't know, I don't know if, the, if that firing's got something to do with it. It probably does. I, I hope it's not that. Um, I hope, I hope, it's, I hope she comes back because I think she's a very valuable um, person to have on Twitter in the motorsport landscape in general. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm stunned it happened so quickly. I mean, it, it there, there were signs it wasn't working out um, as well as it did, um, or was, was well as they were hoping for. And it's a shame because like, Lena was really the face of SPM just in general, making a lot of big power plays um, as a team to try and really mix it up with the big boys. And by all accounts, they've done that so far this season. I mean, Wickens and Wickens and Hinch are both you know, are both in the upper echelon of the championship and, you know, Wickens has been one of the drivers of the year so far in SPM. So, yeah, it's a real shame. It's a real, like, you know, a blow is just the face of the series in general. But, um, yeah, it's it it's it's a bit messy, to say the least. And I, and I, hope, I hope Lena lands on her feet. She's a fantastic engineer, phenomenal, and, again, a real ambassador for women in the sport as well. So, again, hope, hope she lands on her feet and finds something else. Maybe sports cars again. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I'm an incredibly talented engineer. Just didn't work out at SPM. And, hey, if SPM really do think they're in title contention with the number five car, if you're going to make a move like that, you might as well do it early rather than wait till maybe two-thirds down the season and then, then chop her then and then when the season's already gone. If you're going to do it, now is a pretty good time, I guess. I mean, especially after getting bumped from the 500. At least that's what I think, anyway. Um, but, uh, um, Chris. Mm. Chris. Yeah, what's up? Level with me. Um, how good was that Freedom 100? Uh, it was amazing. Um, except for Victor Franzoni having a tire issue, uh, I can say that that was honestly an awesome race. It was great seeing a lot of cars passing each other like that. I mean, granted, you only had an eight-car field, but you had uh, the quality of the drivers was absolutely amazing. I feel bad for Dalton Kellett. He started on the pole. It was his first ever road to Indy pole, I believe. Um, he's really great on ovals, but has struggled on road street courses, and he's done an amazing job, at, especially at Indianapolis. He finished third last year in the Freedom 100, I believe. If memory serves me right, this is his third consecutive third-place finish in the Freedom 100. Um, Pato Award, unfortunately, did not... Um, have a good enough run on the final corner to pass Colton before the line, but Colton swept the entire month of May um, in terms of race wins for Indy Lights, and uh, I think is definitely now leading the championship over uh, Award, and is looking really good for uh, the last part of the season if he can keep it on the track. Can I just add to remind everyone how young Colton Hertra is? Between winning in the Indy Grand Prix and winning the Freehunt, Freedom 100, he went back to California, went into his high school to set his exams. Wasn't he and born Greg, in the year 2000? I think so. Yes. Bollocks. <laughs> so old. <laughs> uh, Dre, did you catch any of the Freedom 100? 
I caught the last five laps. Um, I was I was uh, I was at work at the time, unfortunately, so I didn't. So basically, <laughs> just imagine like a sits car battle for the lead for all forty for like the whole race. Yikes! Only Davy Hamilton Jr. looked like he was way out of his depth, and that is because the car uh, just would not draft. And Aaron Tealitz. I'm guessing he's on its on its twentieth car. I guess this one was kind of a lemon. Uh, yeah, he, he had a did not have. He could not shift in the sixth gear. He couldn't get in the top gear. Ooh, oh, that's even worse. Yeah, he uh, said he only had was able to get to fifth gear, but he was able to keep up with the main pack. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he's just playing a waiting game. Nope, he could not get in the top gear. Huh. And out of all that, you had like people passing and repassing and the same lap you had like four lead changes a lap it seemed like at its peak and it comes down to colton herta and patricia ward who finished one two and now colton herta with three wins in a row and a sweep of the month of may at indy now leads the championship by six points if if you can only get eight cars for the freedom 100 you better have a good show and by god this was a pretty good show I think one thing that's missing is that a lot of people are keep on saying, oh, you know, we only have eight cars, we only have eight cars. Look at the quality of the drivers that you have, and you'll see that these drivers are some of the best that we've had in Indy Lights in a very long time. Sure, you're going to have a bunch of people that are going to ask for more and more and more cars, but when you have these kind of drivers here, you know you're going to get a quality show whenever you put these guys on track. Shoutouts to Chris Wyndham, who sadly could not take part because he wrote off his chassis before they even got into qualifying. Sigh. Yeah. <sighs> Goodness. Um, Chris, Cody Swanson did a thing. Now, Cody Swanson wasn't at any of the Road to Indy races, but he did something neat. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who have not been to the uh, month of May festivities at the 500, there are a bunch of different races that take place in the Indianapolis area during uh, race week. Uh, for example, on Thursday, you have the Hoosier 100 at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. It's a 100-lap race at the one-mile dirt oval at the, at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. He won that race. Friday night, they had the Carb Night Classic, which was 100 laps at the Lucas Oil Raceway, where the Road to Indy also raced for USA 2000 and Pro Mazda. Cody won that race as well, finishing ahead of his brother Tanner, who actually qualified on the pole, but took up a challenge where he would go to the back of the grid at the start and would try and win the race and we'll get an extra five thousand dollars if he won then saturday he won probably the craziest race of the entire weekend the pay less little 500 at anderson speedway think about this three 33 sprint cars going on a quarter of a mile paved oval banked at 17 degrees for 500 laps Oh, that's fun. Oh, and it gets even better, too. The race starts at 8 o'clock at night and usually doesn't stop until around midnight, just after uh, 12, 15 in the morning. Yikes. And I did that race two years ago. Um, that was a really, really fun uh, weekend. But Cody Swanson winning all three races, that's the first time, to my knowledge, that anybody's won all three races in the same year. Damn. Especially in three days, nonetheless. And in my opinion, if someone gets Cody enough of a budget, I would love to see him actually do a couple of Indy Lights Oval races, but, I mean, it takes money to actually get that thing going, and he has a full-time engineering job. Damn. Got a full march to him. He's a very, very good individual. He's a uh, He gives great interviews after he wins, always credits the team, and he's truly a credit to motorsport for how well he does. Oh, yeah. 
that's uh that's pretty awesome it, it seems like there's like a whole like you know how like uh dre you're familiar with how like now wrestlemania has like a hundred thousand different indie yeah, shows absolutely. in around the mm. area it kind of feels like that wow yeah i mean it, that, it does get does feel like that a little bit now i think about it yeah that's that's pretty neat and uh, that's a very cool trouble a very cool trouble there for cody swanson um, Absolutely. Hmm. If y'all are able to get to the Little 500 one year when you go to the Indy 500, I highly recommend doing it. Sure, you're going to be really, really tired the next day, but you can honestly say that you've never seen a race similar to that. And it's it's it was just so much it's so much fun really when you see 33 sprint cars that tightly packed when you're going to the start. So yeah, anybody that goes to Indy, if you only have one chance to do it, go. Travel oh, advice yeah. by Chris Harday. <laughs> Very useful indeed. Oh there, someone didn't get their tweet deck working properly, eh, RJ? Um, yeah, so a tweet was sent out on the morning of the race from uh, the very reputable charity that is not at all a, uh, a for-profit money sink, the Sujin G. Komen Foundation, um, wishing Pippa... <coughs> Allegedly! <coughs> yes. Wishing Pippa <coughs> Man the best of luck in the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500. Um, just one problem, and trust me, I know we're, we're upset about it well, um, Pippa did not actually make the race. Oh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. The tweet has since been like, deleted, however. Did somebody get a screen grab of it? Yes, I did. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Chris, I here doing the Lord's work. <laughs> oh, yes. We, we have live screen capping shithousery in a Discord server we used to record this show as we speak. We're a professional podcast for professional so while people. we're vamping here, I don't know if we talked about this, but um, and this is going off topic, uh, Chris Meek, uh, formerly of uh, Citroen World Rally Team, got ah. fired via Twitter just minutes after posting how excited he was to take part in the Nets World Rally event for Citroen. Oh, no! Oh, goodness, yes. Um, Chris is getting his phone, but yes, basically, um, someone at Susan G. Komen had scheduled a tweet to wish Pippa good luck, not even thinking that Pippa was going to be on the bubble or even close to it, and, well, that, uh, that went out on the internet. Oh, that's you know that you know it. Obviously, it was a complete accident. You know, obviously, their social media team are clearly highly thoughtful, well tuned in people. But um, that must have just felt like a fucking body blow. Um, like we, like it was already just you know gut wrenching to see Pippa not make the cut, and then you know having the the charity that endorses her claiming like she's in the race on race day, and it's just like oh. Oh man, that was that hurt, man. That that hurt to read. Oh, like people were joking about that, but I was like, that is a body blow. I mean, I don't know who said it. I think somebody said like, it's just like who's gonna tell them? And it's like, it's like, oh god, it was. Oh, oh no, 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 no. And yes, yeah. um, the tweet reads: Best of luck to IndyCar driver and Komen supporter Pripper Man as she races in the hashtag Indy Five Hundred today. From May twenty seventh, two thousand eighteen, at nine thirty two a.m. That was approximately um, eight days after bump day. <sighs> That's the we're not even trying approach to social media here, folks. That's. Uh... That's that, that, at best that's some lazy shit. Um, I did not approve of this one bit. So like, fuck, ugh, ugly, ugly, ugly. Right. 
Should we get into the race itself? Let's do it. And, let's do uh, the damn thing. Let's do the damn thing. And uh, Zoe, do you want to tell the world who won again? William Stephen Power. Slick Willie P. Don't ever call him that again. <laughs> Billion yes. Power. Yes, and as Zoe was quite quick to point out on Twitter, as the as the new mascot for the series, the first colorblind, lactose intolerant, but yet loves chocolate milk, Australian-born Australian driver to do so. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> but uh, yes, let's talk about how he got there. I mean, Will was never really outside of the top five for extended periods of time. I mean, he'd be pit a little bit off sequence at the start of the race but just came back into play towards the end and uh oh boy like his car was good you guys it was it was really really good um and like especially in open air you could, no one could touch it by the by the sounds of it oh my goodness no he was he was on rails especially in the second half of that race mm -hmm. Chris, you had a better vantage point of this than anybody you were um at the media center um how did will power look out there uh fantastic uh the biggest thing was honestly pitch strategy he, if he wouldn't have gotten out in front of ed carpenter i don't know how well will would have finished because carpenter's car was as good as powers yeah. was but without <clears throat> without getting out ahead of power you aren't going to see how good carpenter's car truly was especially near the closing portion of the race um and of course strategy did come into a come to a head later on in the race as well but we'll get to that in a bit yes indeed yes indeed and yeah well it was like we didn't know it at the time but him being able to pass carpenter was a lot more significant than we first thought um a lot a lot of the time anyway i mean the race really did get going um in the second half i mean the the, the early portions were Dominated by Ed Carpenter, who led 65 laps in total, which is the most he's ever led during an Indy 500 in all the years of him trying. But uh, it, it would be a career-high second for our dad and yours, Oval Master Ed Carpenter. Um, a, a, a terrific result for him, RJ. And just a reminder that Ed Carpenter is still excellent at these ovals. Oh, goodness. And I... I... I, I feel like if it weren't for the fact that he could uh, that he got stuck behind Will Power, um, he, he easily could have won that race because that car was so well hooked up, especially in the early portions of the race. It looked like he was just about to just sit on this race for the next 200 laps because there was not a whole lot of moving and shaking going around at the front. But um, as as I remarked. It was going to be a battle of pit strategy. It was going to be a battle of who made more adjustments. And ultimately, Penske's crew were just able to outwork Ed Carpenter's crew just that little extra bit. That's kind of what separates uh, the the plucky upstarts, the Ed Carpenter Racings, from the the uh, the Death Star that's building another annex in Roger Penske's team. Yeah, I mean, the, the last stop that Power had was a 6.6, .6, and, like, Penske were dialing those sorts of stops in all day, and when you're doing that in the pits, you're going to be very, very hard to beat. Um, and to be fair, Ed Carpenter's team did not make bad stops. No. Penske's just, they were better. Penske's stops were just phenomenal. It's a simple, like, they, they, they didn't give him an inch. Um... 
simple as that. And and when you when you're that quick and when your pit when your pit crew is that efficient, you you're going to be hard to beat. And like as as RJ alluded to, there was not a lot of movement at the front. I mean, I think the first, I think between laps ten and twenty, there was no overtakes at all. Um, and it was bit a bit of a running trend of the race, Chris. Just seeing the fact that unlike previous years, these cars are a lot more spread out. Yeah, not only that, it was also the hottest uh, day of mm. the month. It was the second hottest 500 on record. Uh, IndyCar said in the media center afterwards that it was 91 degrees officially reported. Uh, and not only that, it actually had rained the night before, so the track was basically scrubbed of all the rubber. So a lot of drivers earlier, I think, were just trying to take it a little bit easy, just trying to feel their cars out because with no rubber on the track and with it being so hot, the cars were going to be a little bit more sliding around, or they were going to slide around a little bit more. And it wasn't an ideal uh, day for a lot of drivers, and they found out against the wall pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah, let's get into that. By the way, this uh, it actually did at one point shoot up to 92, yeah. tying the hottest Indianapolis 500 on record. Cue that Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana, because, man, it's a hot one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and, again, that heat caused a lot of problems. And uh, we had, well, I've only watched three or four of these 500s now as a full-time IndyCar fan, but I can't, I like, I don't, like, the previous is we didn't have this many wrecks with single-car spin-outs. Um, and I, I still remember in the early period, I think it was the first or second round of stops. Um, <laughs> yes, Chris, I will watch some more in the in the downtime. I will, I promise. Um, <laughs> but um, I do distinctively... Like, remember seeing between the first and second pit stops, we had a lot of onboards from Danica Patrick, more on her later. And there was an awful lot of her struggling and a lot of heavy lifting through the turns. And it was, it looked like these cars were a real handful. This was going to be expected given the, you know, the, the lesser downforce of these new aero kits. Um, but at the same time, we had a lot of solo wrecks. First one on the list was. I want to say it was the Davison Sato one that was first. This one wasn't yeah. really. A, this was the only one that wasn't a solo spin out. And uh, yeah, it, I, I, I like that the set list said Sato crashes into the back of Mr. Personality James Davison. I'll, I'll give you a hint to work that it wasn't me. <laughs> right. So James Davison um, is driving around with a jammed anti roll bar, um, and he's running. Uh, he's running way off the pace. I think his last lap. Um, uh, I believe his 45th lap was clocked at a 2.03, which is well off the pace of what the other people around him were running at the time. Um, so he is uh, he's basically a rolling roadblock at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Takuma Sato is trying to get around him, um, and Sato is about full lock, except the car is not turning, and oh dear, he's closing on James Davison, and just like that, uh, the defending Indianapolis 500 champion and James Davison are out in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it was an ugly one. I mean, you, you, I saw the onboard of Sato's car as it was happening, and yeah, the clo- like I, I just don't think Sato anticipated just how fast he was closing in on Davison, whose car was clearly crippled of some kind if he's going 14 miles an hour slower. That's uh, If you're going so slow that you wouldn't make the first stage of a rookie orientation, um, you probably shouldn't be on the track. 
Um, shout outs to John Lacey and Simona de Sylvester from 2012, who actually had an excuse because their car was powered by a hamster wheel. Sorry, a Lotus <laughs> Indy engine. Yeah. <laughs> Lotus. Ah, uh, dear. So, yeah, yeah, that was the end. Like, luckily, again, both drivers were okay. Um, Sato cleared out very quickly. Davison, okay. Car was in the wall. That was the worst of it. Although, I do want to give a very small shout out because by accidentally searching through James Hinchcliffe's likes, there is a tweet from NASCAR. NASCAR has him in there called Hinch Laughs at the Road of Davison's Crash, and it's in James Hinchcliffe's likes. <laughs> mm. Ooh, a bit of Schadenfreude there, I think, from Mr. Hinchcliffe. Understandable, um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that that was that was the first that was the first major wreck we had. Um, I believe that all of them, were, all the other ones, were single car spinouts, and I think the first one was Ed Jones, wasn't it? Um, yep, Ed Jones was the first wrecking out on lap number fifty-eight. Just lost it coming out of two, spun and hit the wall. Sigh. Um, spun and hit the wall, just lost it out there. Um, had to be taken to hospital, unfortunately, after the incident, uh, complaining of a head and neck pain, possible concussion-like symptoms. He has been cleared since then, and he's already, I think Zoe's going to say it as well, but I think he's back in the gym trying to get fit for yep. Detroit next this weekend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, he's probably going to get evaluated like before going back in the car, so fingers crossed that he has fully recovered. Yeah, thank thankfully that was the worst of any and all injuries we had during the race itself. Um, yeah, Jones fighting to get fit for Detroit this weekend. Hopefully he'll be back in the car very soon. Um, again, great job for everybody else by avoiding the uh, number 10 car during that spin-out. Uh, next on the list, and uh, unfortunately this caused about 15 billion people to tune out as a result of this and uh, you can't miss her in the green uh, GoDaddy car but sadly not the end of, of the Danica double that we wanted um, a double Danica DNF as she lost it and went into the wall and that was the that marks the end of Danica Patrick's career sad face <laughs> Right, you know, you know, right? What uh, what? I mean, I've never been, never been one that's really cared for her. Me neither, to be honest. Uh, this uh, was, this was, this was lap 67, the, by the way, but uh, yeah. But at the same time, I do respect her for what she done and the way she handled it. I mean, you could tell she was devastated Yeah. when at it and that. Her mum was a bit nervous as well. Yeah. Her mother, bless her, was running around trying to find out what was going on. Mm. That, was, that wasn't nice to see on the on the hard camera as it was going on. Uh, um, a lot of back and forth clips. Like, again, luckily Danica completely okay. Left the car under her own power. And actually had a, had a, po a post-race press conference during the race itself still. Um, yeah, it wasn't post-race. It was definitely during. Oh, yeah, and, sorry, uh, during. I should say, sorry, my apologies. Um, yeah. No worries. <laughs> it was... Robin Miller said it was the first time he can remember that there was ever a mid-race press conference with the driver that it actually was already out of the race. Um, mm. And funny enough, during the race, uh, so she was talking, you know, answering a question, and all of a sudden ABC came back from commercial during her um, answering a question, and the music played very loudly. And so she went, do I really need to be here? You know, go ahead and take my microphone away. I don't want to be here. So <laughs> she clearly mm. was, you know, 
not too happy about being up there in the first place, but I'm like, well, you easily could have said no to going up there, but, you know, it is what it is. I I think she was just getting ready for experience hosting the 2018 ESPY Awards on ABC July 20, July 18th. Zoe, drink. <laughs> we, we we run out of alcohol, um, but uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did like the fact she joked about it a little bit, saying, "Oh, is this is this like the Oscars? You're just gonna play me out now?" And I've spoken too much. I thought that was quite funny. But yeah, I'm exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm 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 in the same camp as Zoe. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm a Danica Patrick fan. I don't do pretend on this show. People know that. <laughs> I've done 140 of these now. Um, I'm not gonna act like I'm a Danica fan. My thoughts on Danica resemble the infamous urinating tree video about her more than any else but i will tip my hat and i uh, i'd like to say publicly cheers to danica for obviously her immeasurable uh contribution uh towards women in motorsport as an empowering figure she's done you know the lord's work um in in that regard and um like her or hater she's done an awful lot you know to to grab attention for american motorsport in general whether it be in indycar or in nascar um it she she's had an incredible contribution she's a, she's a mega star in her own right which is something that is you know something we often you know pray for out of other people in these motorsport series i mean hell i made a whole video about endorsing joseph newgarden and somehow that tweet ended up on the live broadcast um <laughs> yeah dre came home just in time for his phone to have blown up and i'm sure somewhere across the atlantic sarah connor's did as well because her tweet got featured on the broadcast as well yes talking about how robert wickens has the most canadian voice yeah i can't remember i can't remember the tweet directly off by heart but i believe I said it was. I remember the context of it was the tweet I, that, that Joseph read out during the broadcast was that was literally seconds before he'd won the championship, and um, I said something along the lines of he's handsome, he's charismatic, he's brilliant with the media, you know, he's he's homegrown, he's just the brilliant face of the series. That, you know, the series should get behind. Um, and hopefully endorse. And I love that Joseph's response was, "This guy should go around to be my hype man," which uh, <laughs> which made me smile. So Joseph, if you ever listen to this, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. <laughs> and I want to say a, a big thanks to everyone that mentioned that on Twitter. That that made me smile. I was in shock. Well, <laughs> like seeing all my friends, like 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 I want to say that people like Rhino GT4 was like, "I'm just watching the broadcast." Next thing I know, he's reading that one of Dre's tweets, and um. Yeah, go for it. Post a tweet if you want. I know Charles is listening in. But, um, yeah, like I said, like I couldn't believe that that had happened. And, again, shout out to Sarah as well, who had her comment about Robert Wickens being extremely Canadian, um, also making the broadcast. But um, big thanks to Michael Cardamone, Sasky Stewart, um, and a couple other guys I know screen grabbed it in video form. Catherine Ryland did as well. Thanks, Cat. Much appreciated. Um, but that was hilarious. But on, on, on you know, reining it back in just a little bit. Um, yeah, a salute to Danica. Um, again, her, her contribution is is certainly you know something I have to deeply respect. Um, for what it was, it's a shame that it didn't. You know, we didn't get the fairy tale ending, or even you know any real satisfying ending at all, really. Um, but you know, it is what it is. That's that's the breaks for you, Indy, and uh, you know it's one of those things. Um, 
Carl Kaiser sadly was in 29th, didn't make it. His engine blew coming out of turn four. That was the end of his day. I think it was the only mechanical DNF of the day. Um, his engine yep. just gave out on lap the rest 110. were all one car spins. And uh, the next one was on lap 137, and to the shock of everybody, Sebastian Bourdais uh, did a 540 coming through turn three, and then and then they just cut to him, and he was moving backwards, and it confused the fuck out of me at first. Um, but uh, yeah, Bourdais, um, one of the most experienced drivers in the field, um, is going backwards, having hit the wall, and the next thing, like, okay, maybe these cars really are a handful. Um, but uh, that is a real shame because Bordet again was fussed all week, was in the top five for a good chunk of that race. It fallen down the order a little bit, but uh, the the elusive Indy win still st still so elusive, eh, RJ? Oh yeah, like I commented, like maybe Sebastian Bordet's now, especially given who's just won it. Mm. Um, now he's probably the most accomplished driver in the field who has yet to win this race. <laughs> um, he was running solidly up in the top five, top ten all day. Had been fast all weekend, of course, coming back from that crash and that injury that put him out for most of 2017. He mm -hmm. um, was doing reasonably well, and then the car just just uh, broke loose on him. It did indeed. And, uh, yeah, next thing you know, he's going backwards. So, yeah, that put Borde out. Uh, another round of, of, of uh, surprise stops. And this is what like to start the chain sequence of repeat yellows. Um, yellows causing yellows yes. causing yellows. And Cautions breed cautions. And the cautions need to get a fucking rubber. Yes. And uh, <laughs> after, I think it was barely more than a lap of green flag running after the restart for Borde's caution... Wait, that's another yellow car in the wall. Oh no, it's Helio! Oh! Oh no! Oh, the yellow submarine got hit by a torpedo, and, and, and the torpedo was the safer barrier at turn four. Not the first guy, yeah. not the last guy to be to be spun out by turn four, but Helio will not be joining the four-win club this year. Sad times. Not this year, but he does have a chance to win it next year because he did confirm that he will be back for the 2019 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500. Thankfully, his check from this year pays for the damage to this car. Useful. <laughs> nice to know that Helio isn't short of change. Um, but, uh, yeah, a big bummer uh, for, for Helio there to spin out like that. Again, perfectly fine. I, I want Helio Castroneves' hair and optimism because... He was out the car, and within seconds, he was talking to the pit crew on him, on, 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 and he was he was talking to the to the media on on TV, smiling, waving at the fans. Like, like I can't remember the last time Helio hasn't smiled at this point. Um, I, I want Edmonton. that man's optimism. Like, like, yeah, that besides that one, maybe that that he was a bit pissed off that day. Um, but even I remember that one. Um, but it was either Edmonton or his court case, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> that really is about it for Helio, and uh, yeah, that was the end of his 500, and uh, yeah, no fourth win this time around, but he will be back, and I look forward to seeing the bright yellow Pennzoil in again, and finally, uh, I, can, I can very happily report that Helio Castroneves' hair was okay following the incident. I know it's very important, it's, it's, it's big news, I know you don't really care about Helio the guy, the hair is, is, is what we're here for, I can confirm it was okay and unscathed. Good news for all involved. Undamaged after like a quarter of a Mark Dismore special. Yes. Yes. That's a callback that Chris will get. Mm -hmm. 1991. <laughs> I wasn't even born in 91. <laughs> 
Neither was Sage Karam, and he was the next person for the car to just, in his words, fucking snap on him. Yeah, turn four again. I think within one or two laps of the of the game, the caution for Helio's crash, Karam was the next man to lose it at turn four. Front just snapped, and he's in the wall. Hunter Ray very narrowly avoiding the giant trail of smoke that came afterwards. Yeah, can we just talk about how unlucky Ryan, how unlucky Ryan Hunter Ray, the most unluckiest man in IndyCar in recent years? Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty lucky this day. Indeed, like he dodged, I think two or three major accidents um, during during that race and was not collected. He just missed Helio um, in, on the previous restart beforehand as well as all the fluorescent yellow cars were running next to each other. It was kind of a problem, um, but. Uh, Poor Sage, he was running really, really well as well. I think Sage was deep in the top 10 before he had an accident as well. Like, Sage was having a really good day. Um, also, this was the first year he wasn't the baby of the field. Really? Oh my god, that's yeah. right. Yes, because because um, Zachary Clayman DeMello and, um, and Mateus Laced and Kyle Kaiser were all younger than him. Sage Karam has been the youngest driver every year he's raced in this race until this year. Let, this is his fifth Indy 500 start. Yeah. Let, let, yeah, let's remind you that Sage Karam is still only 23 years old. And if I may say so myself, uh, a lot of people were wondering how this could have happened. And some people were saying you know, things like, oh, it's because you're Sage Karam. No, there was actually a tweet posted out by Dryon Reinbold of a car that was behind him showing that something possibly could have broken on the car. In the and you can see that based on the coloration on the track. So, mm. people are saying, oh, it's because it's Sage Karam. No, much more experienced drivers than Sage lost it. Let's face it, if you were out there, you were in trouble no matter what. Um, Sage had a fantastic car this year, and mm. I think that with more massaging of his talent, he could easily do a full season very, very well. Indeed, I completely agree. I, I, I don't see, I don't see why no one has even jumped on giving him a part-time drive. I know he lost his mind a couple of times in IMSA, but his talent is undeniable um, for me. So um, I'm stunned that no one's given Sage a second chance yet in you know, in the series proper, not just at the 500. Um, and a, a, a strong showing for Sage before the accident. There again, running well in the top ten. I think he climbed up as high as seventh at one point. And, uh, yeah, um, I hope he gets given another chance in the future. Um, yeah. Gutted as well was the next man, again the, again, the last man that spun out on his under his own volition. And a guy that had led several laps of the race beforehand, Tony Kanaan, who was one of the bookies' favourites as well, going into, going into the weekend. Again, had a very strong week all the way through. And Kanan uh, just loses it into turn three, and he spins out, and that was with just 13 laps to go. Um, Jeez. Yeah, I was I was picking him as one of the favorites by the middle portion of the race. He had, uh, especially after his first stop, he had shot up from starting 10th. He was up in a second place. Mm. Um, what Let 19 laps uh, was quick all day. Absolutely. Was was right up there. Had a real good shot at the win at one point. Didn't quite come together. Had a puncher, which sadly ruined his chances of realistically winning the race. 
Because, um, again, he was running in the top two when that happened. Um, so, yeah, just a very, very bad luck sort of day for, for Kadam. But he did also break his own record. I think he's now I think he's now led in 15 different 500s, I want to say. 14. Yes. 14. 14. 14. Sorry, 14. my apologies. Tying his car owner. Tying his car owner, another famous 14, Anthony Joseph Foyt. The no, second. he's overtaking him. Nope, he overtook him. Oh. Foyt only led in 13 500s. So who's who's he tied with the lead for? No, he has it the lead overall. He was tied with Foyt. Okay, so now Tony Kanan has undisputed number one status. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. The, the, the Iron Man of the field is uh, still uh, still every bit of viable contender, even at the age of 142. And better looking than Vin Diesel. Yeah, he's a lot prettier than Vin Diesel, if I do say so myself. So, so given the uh, IndyCar's fuel situation, you would call him Vin Ethanol? Eee. Somehow I don't think that's going to stick, personally. But, um... <laughs> we we, we uh, there's a couple of other guys I have to mention here in 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 this. Um, Alex Rossi, who I I joked on when the British odds for the race came out, like how in God's name is Alex Rossi favorite? He was like a seventeen to two. He actually went he went in a little bit. At one point he was as low as seven to one as Bookie's favorite to win the race. I thought, did they know something that we didn't? Um, turns out his car was a rocket ship because despite starting in 32nd place, no one had ever won the race from row 11. The, the furthest anyone else was has won it from is 28th on the grid. But uh, that, ironically, that is the exact number of places Alex Rossi would gain to finish in 4th place. And my god, there was some spectacular overtakes from Alex Rossi in the course of this race. May I remind you, Rossi only started that far back because he had a right front tire that was deflating during his run mm -hmm. that slowed him down. Yeah, so you have to think, yeah, he could have easily been starting on the front row and not had to work this hard. But hey, that's fine. That gave us great highlights, like him passing five cars around the outside in the span of two laps. Two laps? More like two corners. Two, two corners? That's what I meant. Jesus yeah, that Christ. He yeah, he went around the outside of six people through turns one and two on one of his restarts. The, the, the man is completely fearless. He is insane. And if you didn't think Alex Rossi is an elite driver in this series before, I don't know what more evidence you need at this point. This man is absolutely phenomenal, and I laugh in the face of Formula One who didn't give this kid a proper chance. I, I, I laugh. Absolutely. An association with manner. Could you, yeah, could you imagine being a Formula One team boss and being like, ah, eh, this kid's good and he's got potential, but maybe want somebody who's not as good but brings a bit more money. Could you imagine <laughs> a Formula One team boss doing that? <laughs> what an idiot they would have to be. <laughs> oh, Reminder. oh, Stephen Fitzpatrick re oh. retired. <laughs> Reminder, Alex had got dropped by Manor. Mm -hmm. Michael Andretti immediately picked him up, and then Manor went, "Here, you can have a test ride with us." Yeah, it's 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 almost like the, it's um, almost like they wanted all the luxury of having Alex Rossi in the camp, but then they didn't want to potentially lose him to another team. Isn't that some political bullshit? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't think. And the thing is, though, I don't think Alexander Rossi becomes this good and this elite if he is still in Formula no. One. Uh, it was a point pointed out by. Uh, by Fred Smith from uh, who writes part time for Road and Track and Run Sport that um, Alexander Rossi is becoming the elite driver that America always hyped up 
um, just by being in Europe. Now he's doing that because he is being an actual elite talent at IndyCar because he's hitting the talent mm -hmm. at the right time in the right situation. Um, something I don't know what happened in between um, Toronto and the race before then last year, but all of a sudden, Alexander Rossi is elite. And Alexander Rossi is fun. Yeah, it's like it's amazing that America is in the position, though, and if, at least in terms of IndyCar, of being a series that was desperate for a homegrown American talent to basically having three in the top ten in the space of maybe two years or so. Like with Rossi, New Garden as reigning champion, and let's not forget Graham Rahal, who was top Honda for two years running in 15 and 16. So if you're America now and it comes to IndyCar and motorsport talent, you're now actually kind of spoilt for choice. Um, in, in the sense of like you went from having potentially naught to having three at the top of their games at the same time right now. It's uh, to see and again like again if you do, if like i don't know what more evidence you need alex rossi is doing an incredible job he's spearheading that andretti team this is why i wish this is why i wish and we love you sarah i wish we could have sarah on the show for at least five minutes to just tell us all about how excited she was to see you can watch that on day of day. classics free on youtube isn't that lovely because sarah did because uh, <laughs> yes. uh no 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 relax chris relax um there's no way of recording their audio anyway but um <laughs> but uh yeah like the last she was she was there for the last 13 laps like obviously because it, the race turned into an eight lap sprint finish after tony canaan's uh unfortunate spin but um yeah um yeah if you haven't seen it already Search it up on Twitter. You know you're doing a good job when Fernando Alonso is is, is patting you on the back for for you for your big eggs, your your, your fried egg emojis. I'm I'm sure. And how about Fernando Alonso on Twitter saying time to watch the race in capital letters on Twitter and posting up a link to the Indy 500. And of course you had some people saying, oh look at the grid, it's former F1 Shut the, fuck Shut up. the hell up! You actually have some really good talent in there. It's so stupid how how it, tribal that a lot of motorsports fans are. Like you realize, talent's talent is talent. If you can drive a car, you can drive a car. Shut up. As the thing is, like, in terms of drivers who were in F1, you've got Alex, you've got Sato, you've got Bourdais who started off over this side and then went to F1 and then back again. You had a couple of guys who mm. done test drives. Chilton. Chilton. I've got Chilton. Yeah. I don't even want to go down this road because I, 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 somehow I don't think Fernando's <laughs> tweeting that if he didn't have such a shit Monaco Grand Prix himself. Um, uh, we'll get to that but in our next episode of Motorsport. But I will, I will only use, well. to, I only describe that tweet in four letters. N A C L. Chemistry fans will know what I'm talking about. More on that in episode 142 later this week. <laughs> um, so we talked about Alex Rossi. The final restart, I mean, as mentioned, we had an eight-lap sprint finish at the end after Canaan's spin. And uh, I want to applaud. I do not know how Stefan Wilson was able to drive the car with such enormous watermelons for a nutsack after... That incredible outside pass to steal the lead um, off Servia and Harvey, the three main cars who were off sequence um, during that final restart, as Will Power was leading the charge in fourth, basically in the chase in the chasing pack, and uh, 
dear lord, um, his brother would have been very proud. Um, Stefan was phenomenal at the end of that, and uh, <laughs> go on, Zoe. Stefan's Stefan's leading it also means that him and Justin are the fourth pair of brothers to have Indeed, the um, a very cool moment, a very heartfelt moment, and and once again. If you haven't Please already, do. sign up for it's our It's a great course. Please do if you haven't already. Um, yeah, Stefan Wilson, again, just we ran out of fuel with just two laps to go. Had to make an emergency splash and dash, um, as did Jack Harvey, which at the time essentially cleared the way for willpower to actually pretty comfortably um, take the final take the final checkered flag in the end. Uh, no J.I. Hildebrand accidents here. Um, Power took it pretty comfortably in the end by 3.1 seconds over Ed Carpenter in the end. And uh, yeah, we, we, it was a little bit, just a little bit of an anti-climax finish, but... Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. Don't don't forget Oriel Servia too. He was yes. up in that lead pack. He led uh, 16 laps. He was off sequence. It would have taken a hell of a miracle for him to get to the finish, but he still did so admirably. Um, a pass that was not mentioned as much as the Alexander Rossi passes was actually caught in the hard ramp. Dre picked it up as the wrong car, but uh, Oriel Servia made a move that was. As good, maybe even better. Agreed. It was a fantastic multiple passes. car sweep around the outside. Like you probably saw it as the onboard clip of Robert Wickens being caught in between a rock and a hard place on the back straight. What you probably missed was Servia sweeping around the outside of everybody with his enormous cojones. Um, yeah, I did pick it up at the time. Unfortunately, I thought it was Marco Andretti's car. You see what hanging out with Zoe does for you. <laughs> <Fun> <laughs> Fun but I did correct you. I did correct you and say it was Serbia. Humble brag. Fun fact: Serbia actually passed the most cars oh, yesterday. Wow. That is nice. That is that is a neat, a neat little factoid. Um, so, so, like with that in mind, it cleared the way. Zoe Hamilton pops along, and uh, Will Power wins the Indy <laughs> I mean, this has been a long time coming for Will. He was second in 2015, just a tenth or so behind Juan Pablo Montoya that day, and. He, Again, like it, it was, it's, it was mentioned during the broadcast about just how much of a brilliant oval racer Will has become in the last eighteen months. I mean, he only had I think three or four oval wins in his first eighty races in IndyCar, and he's all of a sudden he's now won I think four of the last ten um, oval races in IndyCar, going back through the last three seasons, and all of a sudden power is just becoming the most like complete total package I think IndyCar may, may have now, just in terms of just sheer unrivaled speed. Um, but, I mean, RJ, it's been a long time coming for the guy, and you know, this was probably the last feather in the cap that Will needed towards just complete IndyCar yeah. immortality, and here it is. Absolutely. And uh, King will back me up at this mm. one, because we were both supporters of the old Champ Car World Series back when that was still a thing. Back when everybody said, these are all the guys that weren't good enough to make the cut in the IndyCar Series or anywhere else. This was all the all the retech scraping the bottom of the barrel. When that series merged into what is now the IndyCar Series, Will Power was the top guy that came over. Mm. He wasn't entirely complete package because they didn't run ovals. You only have to see his progression within... When he started with Penske from the last couple of years, um, but even before then, Will Power was still their best talent that came over. When Borde went to IndyCar, when Borde went to F1, I should say, 
Um, so that left Will Powers the top guy. He won the final champ car race, run to those regulations at Long Beach in 2008. Um, and then he got a part-time deal with Roger Penske that has now turned into him being the longest tenured full-time driver at that team. Uh, Will Power is and one of the all-time greats. Uh, Will Power is top 10 in all-time career wins, and there's a good chance he could get to third by the end of his career if he can pass to other all-time greats that he just so happens to share the grid with with Scott Ditson at Sebastian Bourdais. But I digress. Will Power, um, Will Power is one of the best. I'm very glad he got to win this race. I know people feel like, oh, Will Power's a boring winner. He's a boring personality. I hate this one. All I can say is that Will Power had the right quote when he, uh, when he yelled to show him some fucking respect. Because I feel like respect has been due overdue, Absolutely. even after all the wins, even after winning the series championship. And I think now this Indianapolis 500 win puts him rightfully at the top with all the other greats mm-hmm. of his generation and all the ones before it. Indeed. Uh, I mean, the the thing is, this, he has came, like, he's came back twice from a broken back. Oh, mm. goodness, Yes. Should we remind you that in his first re- first season with Team Penske, he got his back broken in a in a blind crash at Sonoma. That at the awful weekend at Las Vegas in 2011, he also broke his back in that wreck as well. Indeed, and on on a, on a brief tangent, I mentioned this on Twitter. Um, I think it was yesterday, and I, I, it was it was a bit of deep reflection on my part. I do that a lot when it comes to motorsport. I do a lot of thinking. Um, when it comes about how I perceive it, because you know, like one of my things about me is a pseudo. I don't. I don't even like calling myself a motorsport journalist. I don't ever. Cons- I don't ever consider myself to be one. But like, it's one of those f- podcaster. Yeah, podcaster, media guy, whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't like giving myself labels. It's. It, I, I. I think it's. I think that's the easy way out. But personally, I. I was thinking about this before and talking about people I like and personalities and whatnot, and I've. Had a knack over the years of liking exuberant people because I've always conceived, considered myself to be quite an exuberant person. I'll give you an example. Like I'm a, I'm a massive snooker fan. I grew up as a Ronnie O'Sullivan fan as a child when he was still a teenager. That's how long ago I've been watching snooker, and like I remember, like you, I remember giving Mark Selby a lot of shit. Those those that those that know their snooker are nodding profusely as they listen to this right now. Trust me, and like. Right, because mm. basically, um, Mark Selby is the Will Power mm. analog, and mm. um, Ronnie O'Sullivan is the analog to Elio Castro. Basically, yeah, I would say Ronnie's more a bit like uh, James Hinchcliffe. It's a bit more, just a bit more eccentric um, in that sense. But yeah, like Selby used to get plastered for basically having a game that wasn't particularly fun to watch. He was more of a match player. He was more of a you know, a tactical play. He wasn't the biggest break builder, but I remember the 2014 World Final where it was him against Ronnie O'Sullivan, the two best players on the planet in a 35 frame thriller. And like, Selby was getting booed, he was getting hate crime, he was like, I remember somebody on YouTube called them a cancer to the game, and I was like, just fuck off, would you? Seriously. And like, I, I was one of those guys that was quite salty about Selby beating him at the time when I was younger, and I distinctively remember that. And But the more, I've, as I've gotten older, and as I've gotten a little bit, I'd like to think a little bit wiser, like, in my opinion, I've had a newfound appreciation for guys like that, because personality isn't necessarily 
about being overly charismatic or you know being eccentric or being out there and I, I, I distinctively remember a quote from a very good friend of mine called Zara Daniela. Who, and, if, and if that name rings a bell, it's because she did a lot of our artwork during our second year, of, our first year of the reboot when it was me, um, you know, me, King, and Adam Johnson when we were around. A lot of the artwork from the show came from her. She's a very good friend. And uh, check her out on Twitter, Zara Daniela. She, works, she writes for Moto Matters as well, which is David Emmett's fantastic biking site. Check it out if you haven't already. Um, it's best in the business if you're into MotoGP or World Super bikes anyway as i was saying like it was her that when she was a massive selby fan she's a big snooker fan like i am and she was a big selby fan and she was like well yeah smart is sometimes sexy and you know not everybody is going to be this confident charismatic funny person there is value in being quiet there's value in being interested and there's value in personality that isn't necessarily you know the one you know the guy that is just you know the funny hothead or whatever or the generic talks you've had in the past it's why i've had a newfound appreciation for people like Mark and for people like, I'll give you an easy example in biking, Jorge Lorenzo was another one that I thought was just a boring, bitter dude every once in a while, but the, but as well as being a magnificent motorcycle rider, he was just a bit more quiet, a bit more subtle, but very, very likeable in interviews when he wasn't talking about bikes, a very intelligent man as well, and like the people that are saying about personalities, I will I will defend Will Power to the hilt. He's he is every socially awkward guy I've ever met in your life, um, and that's okay. I mean, go on, Zoe. There was um, he used to run on Tumblr, yeah. um, a confession site for mm-hmm. IndyCar, and there was one that I pulled out, which was this is from about two thousand and fourteen. Sure. That. I used Will's to... championship season. Mm-hmm. I used to really not like Willpower, as it seemed like he was always <sighs> mad and unfriendly. However, that all changed one weekend when I was volunteering at the Toronto Indy. Seeing him actually look awkward and slightly shy around the volunteers, and also doing a ballerina-like skip when he was late for the driver's meeting, has really changed my opinion of him. He is just a guy who, tru- who is truly passionate and just sometimes lets it get the best of him. And, Which yeah. I which I think sums up so many drivers. It's just how they they put it across mm. that becomes. You, yeah, from what I understand, um, most of Will Power's personality doesn't come across on the cameras or comes across on the racetrack. He's, you know, it, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Zoe. It seems like he's, you know, a very private person, and most of his personality you see away from the cameras and away from the track. Uh huh. I mean, like, he's. He has definitely got a sense of humor. I mean, like, he's. Some of his tweets are actually quite good. Um, he's done ones where he's, like, been sitting there um, talking about going, going for dinner with uh, Roger Penske. And he's got his hair all in individual bunches. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to see that in Yeah. Oh, it's from a good few years but, ago. Yeah, um, like, and, and I want to quote Henry, who was listening in, who was one of our Patreon backers, that says, passion does get the better of him sometimes. Take it from me. That is not necessarily a bad thing. And I, I've held my hands up on numerous occasions where passion's got the better of me, and it's often put me in hot water. Let's just say criticising certain Australian YouTubers isn't necessarily the best idea. I've had bad days. I've burned bridges. I've lost out. I've lost friendships that way since I've started this podcast. I'm not necessarily proud of that. 
and, and you know, and I've, I often regret some of the things I've said and done, but I always can say with confidence it's come from the right place and it's come from a place of passion. And that I'd rather have someone have their heart on their sleeve than someone that, you know, someone that can't translate um, what how they feel in terms of emotion because that can often be really hard. And this is coming from a guy that suffers from Asperger's who often finds it really, really hard to get a read on people or body language. And I've always struggled with that. So as I've learned, as I've gotten older and as I've gotten wiser, I've, I've always tried to give people more of a chance. I mean, it's... Some guys are no hopers like Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> but, uh, but... But, you know, guys that, ne- that aren't necessarily, you know, automatically hilarious and, you know, have confidence or, you know, more have like, you know, Damien Powers' ability to have stand-up and whatnot doesn't necessarily then, mean they're boring. The other thing about Will is he he went from Australia, he went to the UK. Uh-huh. He, um, his then, his girlfriend at the time bumped into and Neil, Mark Webber's partner, mm. and just try, tried to get her to meet Will. When Mark then met Will, he discovered that Will was racing with holy gloves because he couldn't afford to get new ones. So Mark started giving him his hand-me-downs. He then had them live with him so that Will, the two of them had more money. He gave, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he gave... Um, Will money to help support his career. Will does credit Mark with helping his career. Mm-hmm. Like Mark just looked at him and saw a guy who was passionate. Guy's good. And and trust me, passion can often be a universal language that is a, a lot easier to translate than me being ever ever being able to learn French or some shit like that. So a salute to you, willpower, to all the socially awkward, lactose intolerant drivers of the world who may or may be slightly colorblind, but is still generally a pretty cool bloke. Trophy face is him flipping the double birds at New Hampshire 2011. Still legendary. <laughs> um, Chris, because we know you do not have much time um, on this March, May 29th when we're recording the show. Um, Chris, do you have any final comments, remarks, feelings about this 102nd Indianapolis 500, your 23rd in a row, and your fourth as a member of the press? Uh, fifth as a member of the press. Um, okay. No worries. Um, I was on the grid before the race started, and it was so freaking hot. I moved from New Orleans to Indianapolis to get away from the heat, not to deal with it, uh, more of it. Um, it was... Um, it was kind of an odd uh, way that the race was playing out at the end, where Stefan Wilson was trying to was holding the lead there with a few laps to go, and I'm well. I don't think I was the only person in the media center hoping for a, a yellow with two or three to, with four or five to go to help him. Oh, excuse me, help him make the race, uh, make the finish there, so he can win. And how weird would that have been, to where one organ donation car wins the race and the other one doesn't make the show? Um, Servia did a fantastic job for Scuderia Corsa. They were partnering with Rahul Letterman Lanigan Racing, and it was their first time at the uh, Speedway as well. Um, Connor Daly started 33rd, finished 21st, and I think he did a fantastic job given the uh, the situation that he was in. Um, mm-hmm. I also believe that he um, he's going to be doing... I hope he does another race later on this year. I can't confirm that he'll do another race, but I'm pretty sure... Given his run today, he might get another call. I don't know. 
Um, I think Servia should be doing this full-time next year. Um, he still has it, as far as I'm concerned. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's really uh, all I have left. Indeed. Um, Henry, we have a quick question as well on the, in the Discord server. Just asking, was it the busiest you've seen at 2016 levels? Um, busiest in terms of overtaking or just in terms of people? Because in terms of people... Just in terms of people. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, I would say it's about the similar levels. Um, I think nothing's going to top 2016 for a long time. I think 2017 was its own special deal because of Alonzo coming in. Um, yeah. I also think, though, that it was down, It might have been down slightly because of just how hot it was. It was ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, 92 is a lot. Um, but, yeah, again, special thanks once more, once more, Chris, Chris, for taking part in, in Day of Classics 3. That was invaluable to have. Like, like, do you, like you know how much I'm going to be able to brag about this, that we had, like, a, basically a Roman reporter during a pokey YouTube hangout? <laughs> um, that's bonkers to me um, to even wrap my head around. So uh, thanks again, Chris. Much appreciated, sir. Your contribution um, is, is um, did not go unnoticed. Um, I appreciate you letting me on. Um, it was a lot of fun, I have to say. Indeed, much indeed. So, here it is, the final results, the official final results of the 102nd Indianapolis 500. Will Power winning by 3.1 seconds in the end. Average speed in the end, 166.9. Well, one point we were hovering towards the all-time record for the fastest all-time 500 that Tony Kanaan had when he won it. Nah, one too many cautions for that towards the end, unfortunately, but still a pretty fast running all, all the way through. Just under three hours for the whole race. Um, as mentioned, um, Ed Carpenter led 65 laps um, on on that one, <laughs> um, finishing in second place. Scott Dixon, who again was was in like the upper midfield for a lot of the race, took a gamble on, on one of the later cautions, had to fuel save towards the end, and well, it's Scott Dixon. Uh, you, you know the story. Put himself up into third place in the end after fuel saving, just didn't quite have the pace. For the win in the end was passed very aggressively by Will Power towards the end of that race. It was a real hero move um, from Power that ended up, ended up being the race winning overtake, you could say. Um, so yeah, Dixon in third in the end. Alex Rossi, as mentioned, plus 28 from where he started. A simply phenomenal performance um, from the canny man himself in fourth place for Alex Rossi. Captain America, Ryan Hunter Ray, he was due some good luck. Glad he got some. Great result from him in fifth place. A nice reminder: the man is still class um, round ovals, and uh, just 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 a bit of a bad luck story for the last couple of years. But a great finish from him. Simon Pagano in sixth again. Never really looked in it this time round. He was he was me and I think it was me and King's pick to win the race. Didn't ever read really like he was going to win it, but uh, still his best result at the 500, I believe, to date in sixth place. Um, a good finish for him and a good finish for, to get himself back in the championship as well. Uh, our favorite minion, Carlos Munoz, in seventh place. Great result for him in the Andretti team. I, I, I did see the Instagram. Michael's very happy with that result. And I believe that's what I think, Zoe, that's his fifth or sixth top ten result already as well. Yes. Um, out of six, Races that is six attempts. Uh -huh. Six attempts. That's his fifth in the the top ten. Yeah, phenomenally that's consistent. That's before you include like he's had two or three 
podium finishes. Indeed. Somebody give Carlos Munoz a seat full-time, please. For God's sake, it's a crime he's not in this series. Um, Joseph... Yeah, anyone but Foyt, please. Um, Joseph Newgarn, the uh, series points leader in eighth place in the end. Again, just not, just didn't really have the ultimate car for it this time around. Rookie of the year goes to number ninth place finisher Robert Wickens in the top ten in his first attempt. Another solid result for Robert. Um, and again, another solid result for his championship campaign. He's still a little bit off the big boy still due to some outside luck, but that is another great result for, for Wickens indeed. Graham Rahal, who again had struggled pretty much all week long, probably one of the more underrated comeback stories, plus 20 from where he started in 30th. Um, he ended up finishing in 10th in the end. So again, a, a brilliant comeback from Graham Rahal after struggling all weekend, nearly getting nearly getting bumped in during bump day as well. Um, had to take a last-minute run, but great to see Graham up yeah, in, in the top 10 as well. J.I. Hildebrand had a very quiet day, starting from 27th, got up to 11th in the end. Great result from Mollett himself. Um, Zoe's beloved Marco in 12th, exactly where he started in the end. Um... Matt Leist in 13th place. That's a hell of, an, of a performance for his first ever attempt at the 500. Um, that was fast all week long. Didn't quite get into the top four for place money. We had him. We had money in him at 100 to 1. <laughs> I was hoping even each way the quarter odds would have been nice. Just, just didn't quite have it in him this time around, but still a very good result for his first 500. Uh, Gabby Chavez in 14th place. Um, quiet day for the Harding Racing crew, but good result for Gabby again. Kept his nose clean. That's always a start. Uh, Stefan Wilson, after his last-minute pit stop, finished in 15th place. Jack Harvey in 16th um, for Michael Shank. Uh, there again, oh, again, very nearly, again, very ballsy overtake towards the end, but again, had to pit with just two laps to go, just didn't have the fuel to make it. Um, Oriel Servi, again, the third car in that pack of guys off sequence, and Charlie Kimball was the last of the lead lap runners in 18th place. Um, Zachary Clackery de Macquarie, who did lead several laps of the race uh, uh, at, at certain points. Finished a lap down, but still a solid... And didn't wear his own brand shoes to the banquet. Like, what's the point if you're not wearing your own shoes, Zach? Get a grip. Um, 19th place for him. Uh, Spencer Piggott, who really probably should have deserved higher than 20 if in the end. It's a shame that he was caught caught up in other incidents and off-sequence and whatnot because his car was yep, fast. Uh, got a drive-through penalty for a speeding in pit lane as well. Oh, damn it, Spencer. Um, yeah, 20th for him. Again, he was he qualified 6th. He had a very fast car all week long. Um, better results next year. I'm dead certain on that. Connor Daly. Has finished the 500. Woo! Yay! In 21st. That is his good luck charm. Yes, clearly. Um, 21st place for Corner Daily. His best finish at the 500. Glad he's, glad he's seen the checkered flag. Um, Chilton in 22nd. No repeat of his last year heroics. Uh, Zach Veach, who apparently his car is still on fire um, as we speak after two fires in the pits. Shout out to the guy on the water hose who completely missed first time round. Good job, good effort. This, that, that's literally on the You Had One Job Twitter page. Um, Zach Veach in 23rd. 
Jay Howard, who finished seven laps down in the end, who was basically the race's rolling roadblock, but good for him for being able to learn how to ride a bike again. Um, apparently, you never forget, unless you're Jay Howard, apparently. Um, and as mentioned, the DNF non-finishers, Tony Kanaan, Sage Karam, Helio Castroneves, Sebastian Bourdais, Carl Kaiser's engine, who blew in 29th place, Danica, Ed Jones, Takuma Sato, and James Davison. Mr. Personality at the back in 33rd place yep um australia finishes first and last sorry go on break out you break out your special fact break out my what sorry your special fact yes this is the fourth time oh sorry fifth time that the winner and last place have shared a nationality Nerd! <laughs> also, with Ed Carpenter leading 65 laps, he now ties with Marco for 140 laps lap, um, laps led, which makes the, the two of them of the active drivers having the most laps led without winning the race. Hmm. Yes. This was also ABC's last Indianapolis 500, and they did a very good job to just build that up by cutting immediately to a rerun of the Monaco Grand Prix right after they wrapped up Will Power's interview. Less said about that, the better. Uh, quick rundown and, and, of the. Yeah, go, Gonzo. Gonzo. We also had the host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette outraged by the fact that The Bachelorette was being drone delayed in Indianapolis because they were showing the banquet. Needless to say, the response he got was not the one he expected. <laughs> it's what he deserves. Half of you, half of you dudes, actually watched that series of Ari on it, so don't even try and act like like oh we're gonna we're gonna roast him now. I mean, it's fine if you do, just don't complain at race car Twitter because we will come for you, and we will come for your bad haircuts. As I said, or as King said, N A C L. Yep, say no more. Quick rundown of the championship standings because it's a little bit topsy-turvy after that double point five hundred, as people forget to mention. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, and after a pretty rocky start of the season, Will Power is now leading the championship with 243 points. He has a two-point lead on Alex Rossi. He refuses to go away on, on 241. Joseph Newgarden on 233, a further eight points back. Scott Dixon now fourth on 218. Ryan Hunter Ray in fifth place now on 186. Three, three points ahead of Graham Rahal on 183. Wickens is down to seventh on 178. Borde on 168. Pagano in ninth now on 155. And James Hinchcliffe now, after not racing at all, has dropped from fifth to tenth on 144. Chris, you had one more point you wanted to make out before we get out of here? Yes. Um, Saturday night I saw the, uh, an advanced screening of the movie Uppity about mm. Willie T. Ribs. Uh, all I can say is go see it. Oh, yes. Absolutely. If you don't know the story of Willie T. Ribs, he was... He was um, the first African-American racing driver to qualify for the Indianapolis 500. That was in 1991. If you want to know how far, how slow America progresses sometimes in terms of, you know, just a lot of forward thinking and uh, uh, giving equal opportunities to all of its people. Um, it's a good story, and Willie T. Ribs, as as many people might know, uh, if they know him, they know he is a very candid and outspoken person. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, and uh, a very, very good storyteller, as is Adam Carolla and Nate Adams, who are the 
director and co-producer of this film indeed give the give that a watch and let me know how it is if you get around to seeing it uh you can you can shoot me an email at dre at motorsport101.com yeah .com it's still so cool to say so and yes. that was the 102nd indianapolis 500 the we play i'm sure will be up on youtube probably in the next couple of days given how indie cars uploading patterns tend to be at the time of recording i was recording this on on, on may 29th on the tuesday night so Again, it'll probably up there in a couple of days. Go watch it. It was a very fun finale. And uh, and if you haven't seen it, maybe sync it up with their Classics free so you can hear Zoe have a heart attack at the same time. It's it's a good time indeed. <laughs> uh, I'm not letting you let I'm not let I'm not letting you lose that one anytime soon, Zoe. I'm going to remind you of this for years to come. If you keep sending me pictures of Taco Bells in Scotland, this is going to be like my smoking gun. Live with it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to stop recording in a minute and we'll come back with a second episode on the Monaco Grand Prix. It's going to be about 14 minutes long. Um, that includes the intro. But in the meantime, places you can find us one more time are on YouTube.com where you can see all six hours of Day of Classics free on demand on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, check it out if you haven't already. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101 and our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at C the Harde, D E H A R D E, at We Zoe, and at RJ O'Connell. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to this show and to Bike Live. Quick preview episode 62 will be out probably later this weekend. Um, me and Lewis Sutter will be breaking down all the news from World Superbikes at Donington as some stripper ended up winning both races. How about that? They call him Magic Mike, apparently. Who'd have thought it? Uh, me and Lewis will be back for that later this week on episode 62 of Motorsport 101. And if you back us at the $10 level, you get access to our Discord server where you can actually chat with me and the rest of the people in there. And you can listen to these shows literally as they're being recorded as Henry Chapman is right now. Hope to see you, Henry, and uh, Charles, who's stealing the rent. Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, again, tune in again later this week as we talk about the Monaco Grand Prix in episode 142 as Daniel Ricciardo won and not much else happened. Until then, I've been Andre Harrison. They have been Krista Harde, Zoe Hamilton, and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for nothing. You are the world champion.